Last couple of weeks, um, we've been really, honestly, like getting into some really good stuff as far as um, just getting down to some real core issues, I guess. And one of the things um, a couple of years ago, or several years ago now, um, that I uh, kind of always was uncomfortable with the, um, like the, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, let's, let's call it emotional manipulation, all right? Always kind of uncomfortable with the emotional um, and manipulation um, behind a lot of, like, church services, worship services, conferences, camps, you know, whatever. Um, because it's really, really easy to... Uh, to get caught up emotionally what's going on. I mean, I mean, honestly, if we had done that song and then we had done uh, The Wonderful Cross and then we had done How Deep the Father's Love for Us, I mean, there's just no telling, like, the insanity that we could be convinced to participate in from that point on. You know, like, you're, like, you're just so there, you know, and it's, you know, I mean, we could have had, like, open mic confession time and probably had a line, you know. Like, at that point, you're like, okay, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And uh, and some of that's good. I mean, confession's good. But um, I just seem like for mo- so much of my life, that's what it felt like came at the end of a sermon, you know, or in a music time or whatever. And it was really designed to get results out of the gathering, you know. That, man, we had 100 people at the altar tonight, you know. Go Jesus. When in reality, a lot of times it's like, what were they even responding to? You know, what were, what was making them come down the aisle? And what was life like after they went back to their seats and got in their cars and drove home and whatever? I mean, how much change happened there? And it's not to throw out those things because I believe sincere change does happen in those moments. But it always just seemed to me like that was the goal. The goal was the altar call time. Instead of the goal being transformation into Christ, and uh, it was just always just real weird about that. I and mean, that's just a personal thing, I guess. And, and then I heard um, a speaker who I really, really respected at, at the time say that he didn't think altar calls were biblical. And I just loved that. Uh, I got really excited. And it was me, me and him and the youth director, a youth minister, we were talking about this camp we were about to do. And the youth minister was like, so how do you want to handle altar calls? And the guy was like, oh, they're not biblical, so we're not going to do them. I was like, yes. And the youth minister like, had a cow right there in front of us. It was awesome. And, um, but his explanation was, you know, he says in the Bible when, when they, they would preach the truth and then people, they responded to it. They either said, no, I don't want that, or they said, yes, I want that, or some, there was some sort of response to the truth, but it wasn't, it wasn't coerced. I mean, it's like, look, this is, you know, take it or leave it. And that, for years, has kind of been the way that we uh, approach things at the ring, and sometimes we feel led to have times of prayer, and sometimes maybe things do get a little more emotional, but I hope that you never feel like our goal is at the end to, like, just have this gut-wrenching whatever and trick you into something, because really, it, it very much is a take-it-or-leave-it faith that we have, and the ball is in our court, 
you know, as far as what we're going to do with Christ. And so last couple of weeks, I feel like, like God has set the table for us to uh, really get into some stuff and be like, all right, are you going you gonna to dig into your life or are you not going to dig into your life? I mean, he said us talking about areas of life that fill us up in ways that he needs to. And we've talked about digging our own wells and taking life into our own hands and not letting him, uh, you know, have certain parts of us. And we talked about, um, you know, asking for a king when he wants to be our king. You know, looking to things that are not him to satisfy us when the whole time he's like, no, that's my role. That's how I designed you. That's what I'm supposed to do. And we talked about things needing to come out of our lives. And we talked about the things in our lives needing to be completely saturated with Christ. I mean, so we've been, we've been digging up some stuff. And if you are, if you have been taking that and like really getting serious about it and it not being a game and not being like a, oh, I didn't really get that sermon or I kind of got it or I kind of like the bucket or, you know, whatever. If, if those, if our times together have stayed in this room, then maybe, maybe things haven't gotten all that messy for you. But if you've, if you've been wrestling through some of that stuff, then maybe, maybe life has been a little bit, uh, you know, tough lately. And maybe, um, maybe that's a, like something really significant for us to keep in mind that, that when we start asking God to really do things in us and to change us and to point things out and to whatever, like he does it. Like sometimes uncomfortably so. And there's, there's so much of, of my life where I've heard truth and I have left it in the room. And there have been many times where I have preached truth um, and still left it in the room. And uh, so recently, like um, these last couple weeks, it's like just been just kind of different for me. And I'm not uh, like trying to be like, hey, look at me. I've been processing stuff. But like in a sense, I'm like, hey, I've really like been processing stuff, been trying to. And so I I say that not to try and... um, say, hey, look at me, or anything like that. I say that because I want uh, us, like, those of everybody that's in here that's been, like, really um, trying to unpack their lives, like, I, under, I know that it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. I know it's not, it's, it's easy for me to say, you know, to get a bucket up here from Home Depot and to say there are things in your life that need, you just need to get rid of them. It's easy for me to say that. I understand that it's not always so easy to get rid of those things. Um, it's easy to say everything in our lives needs to be saturated with Christ. It's easy to say that. I want you to know that I absolutely understand that it is not always so easy to act, actually implement that. And, um, and so the last couple of weeks, it's like, you know, God's been doing whatever. And then a lot of people that you talk to, they're like, yeah, man, like, man, you start unpacking your life. It really exposes some stuff. And uh, so... Th- this last week, you got to the end of the week, and I was talking to Cody the other night, and he's like, what are you going to preach about? I was like, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. I, I always, not always, but I usually, I used to be so, like, so last minute, and now I'm, like, sort of last minute. So, but usually by Friday night, like, I kind of have a clue, you know. I've worked on it. I've studied. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And um, got to the point on Saturday where I was like, not only do I not know, I was like, I'm not even sure that, that, uh, that, Getting up there and preaching is something like I'm in the place to do. I mean, like things just, I, like God was just really showing me some stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And um, and so I was really praying. I was like, God, what am I supposed to do? Like, like 
I know I'm trying to process all this stuff, and, and I know I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people in our church that are, that are really, like, like trying really hard to take stuff seriously, and I know that it's, it's not easy, and, and I feel like we need to acknowledge the fact that it's hard and that it takes faith and it takes discipline, and I feel like we need to just call it what it is and say, this is hard. But I don't know how to do that because I'm one of the people that's been like, this is really hard, you know? And so I really just felt like God said, well, then you need to let the people preach the message. Okay. What the heck does that mean? Let the people preach the message. And so that's what, what we're going to do tonight. Um, if you've got a Bible, turn to the book of John, chapter 8. I want to set the stage, and then we're going to open the mic up a little bit. Because I really don't know that I'm in the place uh, that I need to be um, to go forward, but I know that some of you are. And that's a beautiful thing. And so we're going to let the people preach the message tonight. Um, my job is simply to set the stage or to set the table. Um, John chapter 8, this is crazy too. Uh, confirmation that this is what's supposed to happen is I saw a... Uh, I have like Sunday morning church services that I watch just because I'm a nerd, and uh, and we don't have Sunday mornings. So uh, I was watching it, and I saw this preacher preach this exact passage today. And in one sense, I was like, man, that's really confirming that this is what needs to happen tonight. And then in another sense, uh, it made me uh, remember that a while back I put something on Twitter about how I slept too late, and I missed all my TV preachers, and now I didn't know what I was going to preach on at night. And there's all these big jokes happening back and forth. And uh, then I was like, here I am, like literally like stealing the texts from this guy in the morning. So I uh, hope that you trust me that I um, didn't just get it from him. Um, and he got it from Jesus, so I guess it'll be okay. Um, so what it says in John chapter 8. It says, they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And they, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. It's one of the great, great stories of the New Testament, in my opinion. Um, I mean, what a, what a great picture of, uh, here's Jesus teaching people, and all of a sudden he gets pulled into a trap, and here's a woman who's like caught in the act of adultery, you know, and uh, imagine like the awkwardness of that, deal. And I, one of my favorite things is the fact they like asked Jesus, what do, you, what do you say we should do? This law said we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus just like takes a knee <laughs> and starts like doodling in the sand and the dirt or whatever. I love that picture of Jesus in that moment 
apparently um, not as like quick-fired with an answer as we like to think of him as being. And I heard a pastor one time say that, that he thinks that Jesus was praying at that time. That he knelt down and he was like doodling something and maybe, you know, maybe he was distracting them, but he, he said that he thinks Jesus was saying, all right, Spirit, I need you to hook me up with an answer. Father, what do you want me to say? Father, how do I handle this situation? Um, you know, exposing his humanity and his dependence on uh, the Father to give him the words and the Spirit to connect that to him. And uh, so I love that, that image because it really teaches us so much. But, you know, the point of the story we always focus on is, you know, Jesus says, he is, who is without sin, throw the first stone, and then nobody throws a matter. And the lesson is so often judgment and the fact we're all in the same boat and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Jesus says, you know, no one condemns you. And so he's standing in front of her. Everybody there had sinned and had every right to throw a rock at her. And the only one that's left standing is the, is the one without sin who had every right to stone her. And even he doesn't condemn her. It's a beautiful story. I think a lot of times, though, we forget the very, very, very last thing he says to her. He says, neither do I condemn you, which is awesome. But then he says, now go, and from now on, sin no more. Now picture this woman walking away from that situation, you know. I mean, she escaped. It was awesome. But the last thing Jesus says is, don't sin anymore. That is, in many ways, where we find ourselves quite often. Um, you know what is wrong in your life. You even know the solutions on how to bring up about change. But then you find that the ball is now in your court, and Jesus says, this is the problem, I'm the solution, now go and sin no more. I find that to be a very daunting place to be. And maybe I'm not the only one. So tonight is uh, hopefully going to encourage you if that is where you are or that's where you've been or that's where you're about to uh, find yourself. Um, a couple of years ago, I uh, heard a phrase that in many, many ways changed my life. And it was this, that Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life seminary professor said that, and he said it over and over and over again. Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life. He told us, his ministers, he said, if you don't believe that, then you need to find something else to do. And so as people who um, bring ourselves before God and say, God, show me where the issues are and let's deal with them. And he says, here's the issue, I'm the solution. Go and sin no more. We have got to believe with all of our being that Jesus Christ has the power to bring about that change in our lives. So I would like to ask some of you to come up and tell us about how you have experienced that to be true. To come up and say, this is what my life used to look like, and this is what my life looks like now. And I am living proof that Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life. Because there are people in this room who God has freed from addiction. There are marriages in this room that have been healed. There are substance abuse issues that are significantly better. Um, 
doesn't mean that I need all the perfect people to come line up. Because we all know that's not what anybody's about to come up here and say. But if you can say, this is what my life used to look like, and now my life looks like this, and it's all because of Jesus, then I want you to come up here and share that with everybody. Who will be first? Grayson Kirkendall is going to be a part of the people preaching the message. Y'all give him a round of applause. What's going on, everybody? Uh, I wish I prepared something. Uh, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I grew up in a Christian into it like this. All I need is one mic. No, uh, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, both of my parents are good Christian people, uh, but for some reason I just couldn't get it. Um, couldn't accept it. And I, you know, I stayed out of trouble, stayed out of problems for the most part. Um, but then I went to college. Woohoo. Fun four years, huh? Um, in 2003 is whenever I moved to Lafayette, and I ended up joining a fraternity because I didn't know anybody. Um, not bashing frats, uh, but it didn't take too long until I started falling into a hole that I couldn't get out of. Um, it, 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 addiction is a, a gradual disease. And it just, there's nothing that you can do to get out of it. Um, many of you might have heard of like the 12-step program or stuff like that. I've been through one, and it, it's designed with Christ in mind, if you've ever done it or heard of it. Um, well, after my, my troubles lasted for about three to four years, 2007, February of 07, I went to rehab. Um, but in those three years, I accomplished 13 arrests, two DUIs, possession of cocaine, marijuana. Am I leaving anything out? No, I think that's it. Um, but it, I went into rehab, and I took it as seriously as I could, um, but I didn't take it serious enough. Uh, it wasn't until about July of 07, um, I had moved to Florida with a company. And I was still, you know, I wasn't, what, I wasn't abusing, but I was still in the scenarios of, you know, all the drugs and all this. And one night I was sitting in, in my room in Florida and I was watching, I think it was LSU game. And uh, this guy walks in as my roommate and he just flopped a huge bag of cocaine on the table. And I just got tired of it. So I went outside and I went walking on the beach and I just, I wasn't really, I don't know if you'd say he was praying, but I just started talking to myself like, I can't do this on my own. I got to get out of this. I can't, you know, put myself in that scenario. is just going to hurt me in the long run. Um, and the next day, one of you out in the room, you know who you are, called me and, uh, you know, just said, hey, I ain't talked to you in a while. wondered how you've been, you know. And ever since then, I, I came back to the ring, and I've been clean and sober for November 4th, it'll be a thousand days. Um, so it, there's nothing, I tried it from February to July on my own, couldn't do it. Um, and I, there's only one, one thing that can do that, it's just, that's the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And it's just, you know, there's no other, no other way to put it. And it's, it's a trial, it's hard, you know, no matter what you're going through, um, 
Jesus, Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. You know, and ever since then, my life has just been so much better. You know, I come, I don't do the AAs anymore. I, I did them for a year. But I come here on Tuesday nights and Sunday nights. You know, I go to community group on Tuesdays. And if I didn't have that, if I didn't constantly stay plugged into Jesus, um, man, you fall off the deep end real quick. So try, I was going to say, try cleaning cocaine out of your Home Depot bucket. It's not exactly easy. But, uh, it's not, I'm taking flour off of a wet countertop. But anyway, uh, I didn't hear the Jeopardy song, but. All right. Who's next? I know we could probably stop there and it'd be enough, but he's not the only one. Who else? I don't have a plan B, so uh, I mean, I can start calling names if you want. You want me to call names? <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me that's it. The only life in here that's an example of the fact Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life. That's it. I don't believe it. I mean, you don't have to be addicted to cocaine. I mean, no offense to Grayson. I knew it. See? I knew it. This is Josh Blaylock. Hey, guys. <laughs> I don't normally go here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Jesus is the same everywhere. Um, I guess my, my story starts off similarly uh, to growing up in a Christian home. Um, you know... You know, my, my dad, like, read to me, like, every night, you know, growing up. So, you know, I heard the Bible stories. I knew them. Could probably, like, quote them to you and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I went to school in New Orleans. I went to uh, Holy Cross. I don't know if anybody knows about that. But uh, I started, started being known as, like, the Baptist because of how I would talk to people about Christ all the time. And uh, it, it doesn't really get you a whole lot of friends. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows about that. I'm, I'm sure you do. Uh, I don't know many people here. So, uh, so you know, I kind of got tired of that. Kind of was like, and it's not really what, what I'm going to be known for. And totally just, like, rejected Christ. And um, I, went, I went down pretty selfish road. Uh, it st started, I guess, 10th grade, 11th grade of high school. Um, started hanging out with people who uh, I felt like 
accepted me. Um, I don't know if anybody really knows me. I'm kind of a, a weirder guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's do things differently. So, you know, I started hanging out with the punk kids. Uh, and I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with punk or uh, the lifestyle that's around punk. It's, um, it's very chaotic. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, just living life rebelliously and not really caring about authority. Uh, so that's kind of where it led me to, you know, um, you know, bad company corrupts good habits. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, this, this led over into college. I got to college and I was like, Holy Cross is an all-boys school, by the way. So I got to college and this went kind of crazy. Um, you know, it was chasing after girls and uh, if any of y'all knew me my freshman year of, of college, uh, I, I was just all about attention. Uh, I would hang out in Free Speech Alley and just try to get as much attention as possible doing crazy things um, like pranks or uh, aggravating people with humor. Um, yeah, it was, it was probably pretty annoying. Uh, you know, I was really into the music scene. Um, it was all I lived for. I remember one time I went to a show and uh, I had gone to the ATM beforehand. I think I spent like $60 on like band t-shirts. Like, what, what do you need $60 worth of band t-shirts for? I don't know. But it was my identity. That's who it was. You know, that's it's what I live for is like, look at this obscure band that I have on my shirt, you know. I'm weird, you know, look at me, I'm weird. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure my dad was praying for me a whole lot. He's a very strong Christian and somebody I really look up to. Um, but it wasn't too, until I got into this relationship um, with this girl and ended up cheating on her. And uh, during the summers, I go to New Orleans and I work um, at my dad's company. And uh, this summer... I guess God had arranged that I would work by myself at night. And um, I don't know if you've ever worked by yourself. Uh, it's kind of lonely, and uh, especially at night. Um, and so most of the night I would have to stay up. And uh, after revealing to the girl that I had cheated on her, uh, we, like, took a break. And, um, man, it's, it was like God had stripped everything away from me. Um, Whenever I came to college, I kind of just ditched my friends back in New Orleans and tried to make new ones. So when I went back, I had nobody. And, um, you know, so one night I was just crying, you know, because I had lost the only thing that I really put importance in uh, was that girl, you know, and, um, and I really screwed it up. I cried out for forgiveness, you know, with, with tears and I think it was just like in in the front room of the office. I was like on my knees and it's like on one of the couches that people sit on for uh, coming into the office. And um, God really started to work in my life like I'd never really seen before. Before it was just like going to church and sitting down and, um, you know, answering the right questions. Uh, but now it was like I really wanted to make an impact in people's lives. You know, I think from then, I started becoming really transparent 
with like what was going on in my life. And I'm still like that today. So my, some people will probably have conversations with me and like, well, why would you have conversations like that, talking about all the things that go on? But um, I remember it was maybe like a year later, um, you know, I, I started praying for God's will. I don't, I don't know if anybody ever noticed, like, God, like, works on you either, like, radically, but or he also brings sanctification to your life, where he starts to take those things out and purges them out. And uh, that's what the past couple of years have been about for me. Um, that, that relationship that I was in was, uh, we eventually got back together. Um, but it wasn't holy. It wasn't something that was pleasing to God. And um, he, he brought me out of it. Uh, last December, um, you know, through praying for his will and asking for strength to give something up like that um, because it was really a crutch and something I depended on. But, um, you know, it's it was through Jesus Christ and uh, depending on him that I was able to get over that and completely, like, forgive uh, all the people I had bitterness towards and um, to receive that forgiveness from him. And... Um, you know, whenever you give up your own life, you know, you gain something greater in Christ. And, you know, there's nothing greater than having him work through you uh, to affect the world that you live in. And, you know, I really praise him that he's given me grace to do things for him because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't deserve that. But, uh, yeah, that's my story. I mean, there's obviously more details because it's about three years ago, four years ago. But, uh yeah, I don't, I don't want Jesus to go uh, without being famous and uh, being made known as uh, all-powerful and glorious and holy, because he really is. He's everything, and um, he's worth giving up your life for and uh, serving completely. And whatever you give up, there's so much more available through him. All right, thank you. Hank? Oh, no. <laughs> Hank's leaving. Come on. All right, if you're next, I want you to go ahead and like be thinking about what you're going to say because I know somebody's next. Well, guys, can you hear me? Okay. Well, Years, years ago, before I uh, came to the ring, when I lived by myself, I was kicked out of my grandmother's house. Um, basically, um, I don't really understand why I was kicked out, but I went through a time where I went through deep depression. Uh, I just basically uh, did not want to live at all. And for somebody who is a miracle as I am, which I'm not bragging on myself, but somebody who has beat Gauchets and is still alive today uh, can let something stupid, uh, you know, uh, not understanding and feel like you're, you know, thrown out, you know, and not wanting to want to, you know, kill yourself, but I'm alive here today and uh, keeping it short and sweet, I'm just saying that I'm beat depression too and I'm still alive. Love you guys.
Next. <laughs> All right. This is Blake, and she's not the last one, I can promise you. Clap for her. Okay, I really, really hate talking in front of people. So, but ever since Josh said this is what we're doing, my body's been like freaking out. Like, God's been like, do this. I'm still going, no, no, I really don't want to. So, anyway, um, to follow suit, I grew up in a great Christian family. Um, my dad is the most legit Christian man I've ever met in my whole life. Um, and most, it's funny because most of my life, like before my freshman year, is kind of a blur because I wasn't really paying attention. I have a tendency to just kind of live life floating. And uh, I went to high school and did the whole uh, double life thing, was on youth leadership board at youth group and really active in FCA and all kind of stuff. And then was making like really bad decisions and getting into trouble and doing really stupid stuff on the weekends. And um, so I graduated and I came to college and went even, got even worse and because I didn't have anybody to answer to, you know, like what my parents think about me has always been so vital and they didn't know what I was doing here, so I could do whatever I wanted. And, uh, so I just got into like really unhealthy relationships and was going out every night and like literally like lived in Tigerland and super classy, and uh, um, <laughs> I, I guess it was like September, October, it was end of September of my freshman year, we had gone to Tiger Bar Tuesday and gotten like just ridiculous, I don't remember anything, and um, slept at a friend's house, I lived in Miller Mansion my freshman year, and um, I had stayed in like one of the ones on the other side of campus, like Broussard or whatever is over there. And um, woke up the next morning. I was really smart my freshman year and scheduled all my classes like really late in the afternoon, so I didn't have to get up. And uh, woke up at like six o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, just in a panic. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know why, you know, my soul just felt the way it did because I had never paid attention to my soul before. And um, so. I like got up and grabbed all my stuff and just like started walking across campus, which I don't know why I didn't bother to ask for a ride or anything because it was a really long walk. Um, but I made it to about the flagpole on parade grounds and I just lost it and was causing such a scene, I'm sure, and was like just boo-hooing and um, I still just didn't know why. I just knew that something wasn't right. And, um, you know, I went to... I went to a Christian school, like pre-K to eighth grade, so, you know, like Josh, I could have quoted any Bible story at you, any Bible verse, which made me a really obnoxious non-Christian, because people would try to talk to me, and I could, you know, I was like, I know, I know, I just don't care, and uh, so I got to about, you know, flagpole, and um, it was the clearest voice of God I've ever heard, and have not heard since, but it was just you know, what are you doing? I have so much more for you, and I have so many uses for you and so much I want to do with you, and you're wasting it, and you're ignoring me, and I'm sick of it. And um, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know what, what that is or where it's coming from, but all right. 
So I made the rest of the walk to Miller, and I don't know how I ended up with a Bible in my dorm room because I sure wasn't reading it. I blame my parents. I think they probably left it there. And uh, I grabbed it, and I skipped every single one of my classes for about three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and just couldn't get enough. And um, just like, it was just like a switch, you know, the, in the Bible where the scales just fall off. And um, there's a defining moment, but it's nothing I did. It's nothing anyone said to me. It's nothing anyone did. It was just, and I think that that's the only way that God could have gotten my attention, just being like, you know, kind of flicking me on the forehead, like, what are you doing? Um, and I church hopped for a while my freshman year and half of my sophomore year and um, couldn't find a place to settle and was struggling to grow because, you know, community is, is so vital and it's especially vital to someone like me. And so I finally, I don't even know how I started coming to the ring January of this year. And, um, you know, my spiritual walk just took off, just being surrounded by people who, you know, are so in love with Christ and, um, meeting Christians that are actually really walking what they're saying to you. And um, so, you know, definitely still a huge work in progress, but I'm just so thankful to have found the ring and I found a great community group and great people. And uh, the BCM actually, like, work there now, which is so weird. You would have asked me before. I'd been like, working at a Baptist collegiate ministry? Like, there's no way. Um, but, so... Let me get one more. Chad Schoon. Oh, okay, you go too. Go, Chad. We'll go two more. Oh, man, he's got a Bible with him. Y'all get ready. Y'all keep clapping. I don't know how I ended up here. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going up there. Here I am. So... Um, I think, like, the most recent bit of truth that God has just tore my life apart with was, um, is that God has not one single condemning thought towards me. Um, earlier this year, I was working at Boy Soap, Girl Soap. It's a residential program for inner city boys, and I was, like, a house parent for all these kids, and, um, well, not all these kids, like, six boys, five boys, and, um, it just provided me with, like, a means of transportation, a salary, and also a place to live. Um, and I didn't have any of those things without the job. Um, but about six months into the job, I, uh, I just really felt strongly that it was time for me to head out. It was just super emotionally draining. It was just a really, really heavy job. And I really felt like I put in enough. I felt like my time was, was coming to a close. So... Um, I had all these needs. I, had, I needed a place to stay. I needed a vehicle, and I needed a job. And not only did all of those needs get met within a week, <laughs> but it was, like, exceedingly and abundantly, like, so much more than I expected. Um, I mean, just from the church body, all of you guys just, I mean, y'all just provided. Y'all were just obedient and blessed me, and it has done so much more than, it was, it was just so much more than just needs getting met. Um, through all that, I just noticed, like, just a lot of, like, emotional stuff came up. Um, 
That's how I'd say this. Um, there was just a lot of like heavy stuff that I had been believing. A lot of just like lies that the enemy had convinced me were true. I really believe that because my circumstances sucked, that God was mad at me and that there was something I was doing that was wrong. That is not the truth. <laughs> that is not true. Um, every thought that God has towards us is of love and it's for good and it's just not true to believe any of those lies. I hate the enemy. <laughs> and I hate that he had me like literally just like, in bondage of just false truth. And I honestly can stand here and say that, like, I've been redeemed. God changed the way I thought from, you do this, and, well, you're, you're, you're doing this wrong, so I'm going to punish you by not letting you have a car. You know what I'm saying? That's not true. <laughs> Jesus, he wants to provide. He wants to provide, and he has provided. And, like, my whole, this past six months has been just nothing but, blessing and I'm just so thankful for um, just all of you guys and just for like the Lord for you all just being obedient just to pray and just to open up your homes and just bless me with whatever whatever I mean it I'm just in awe like I did not have to do anything I just sat back and just like let God do whatever you want to do and it's been awesome and um, see if there's anything else I want to say uh, I just remember praying uh, a lot about maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years, that God would just bring me to a place of just abundance. And just like in Psalm 66 where it says, just bring me to a place of abundance. And uh, <laughs> and I realized, like, he already did. Like, he already, I was already there. I didn't need to, like, go anywhere. I didn't need to wait any longer. I was already there. And uh, I just want to encourage all of you to just be honest with, like, any, well, just, uh, just believe God. Just believe his word because it's, it's the most absolute truth. It's, it's all we got, and it's, it's got, he's got it. He's got it. So uh, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Last one. Y'all keep clapping. This is Shelly. Hi. Um, most of you don't know me. My name is Shelly. And um, Blake, I want to thank you because I know what you're talking about. I was sitting there and my heart's beating. And I'm looking at Sloan. I'm like, Sloan, look at my hand. Look at my hand. And so when you got up here, I was like, I can, I can definitely do this. Um, my story is a little bit different from everybody's in the fact that I wasn't raised in a uh, super Christian home. I'm not saying, you know, my parents weren't loving and great and um, weren't atheists or anything, but the best way to describe it is I knew my mom was raised a Catholic and I didn't know my dad's point. Like, that's how little God was talked about in, um, in my family. So it, it didn't come up. We didn't talk about it. It was just, you know, whatever. And so um, my junior year of high school, I went to a little Baptist church and did the whole head bow, every head bowed, every eye closed. I did the walk, I cried, 
And I'm not trying to take away from that because I really did feel it, and I know that was the moment that I truly did start my relationship with Jesus Christ. But the problem is that I was just like, okay, cool, I'm saved. All right, I just let it, I just let it go. And instead of taking that and running with it, I just stayed where I was and was like, well, I've been saved, I've been baptized, I'm okay. And um, I stayed that way through my junior year of high school, my senior year of high school, and my freshman year of college, and most of my sophomore year of college. And uh, the need for Jesus was definitely in my life. I, I mean, one of the things I used to boast about was my keg stand. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I was living for was the parties and, well, you, you know, the college story. And uh, so that need for Jesus was there, but I ignored it. But, um, well, luck luckily, my other college needs were definitely persistent, and uh, the need for free food was one of them. And so that got me to TNT one night, and uh, it just, it just kind of went on from there. And um, the, the thing, the, the big difference that I can feel and I want people to see is before I was content and I was okay, and now I'm, I'm not content. I just, I was, I was talking to my friend this morning, and I was telling her how frustrated I am that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm intimidated to do things or to minister to people because I can't, I can't quote the, strip, the scriptures. I can't tell you the stories. No one sat down with a coloring book and was like, this is Noah's Ark, this is what happened. I didn't get that. And it frustrates me because I'm not content because I, I want to share. I, I want to show everybody that I can do this. And the biggest difference that I can feel in myself is, like, I just have, I just have this love of Jesus Christ, and I, I, want to, I can't shut up about it. Like, I want to tell everybody. And um, so I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm reading. Praying's coming so much easier. I... I before, I've always been a big nature freak, always, and anyone who knows me, they, they know I love nature. And before I'd walk around, I'd, oh, the sunset's beautiful, the sunrise is beautiful. I'd get up, I set my alarm ridiculously early just to see the sunrise, just because I thought it was beautiful and it made me happy. But now, I can't walk around without saying, oh, the sunrise is beautiful because it completely glorifies God, or look how beautiful that tree is, it completely glorifies God. And now, Every time I walk outside, I can completely see and feel the glory of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm running with it. And everything's just gotten easier. And I can't, like I said, I can't quote the scriptures. But maybe this is something that I can do. Just tell my story and hope people take it and try to run with it like I did. And um, that's all I got. Uh, let, me, let me have the band, y'all. Go ahead and come back up. Um, first thing I like to say is, who needs a preacher, right? Um, amen. It's the first amen I ever got. Um, when Jesus said, go and sin no more, uh, this was obviously um, before... Um, well, let me just say this. In Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about Jesus being our great high priest. And uh, the truth of the matter is, Jesus is currently 
um, at the right hand of the Father, and He is interceding for us. And so as our as we pray, our prayers literally are led by the Spirit and prayed through Jesus the Son to the Father. And um, it says this in Hebrews 4. Um, so since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He tells this woman to go and sin no more. And yet, Scripture tells us he's the only one that's ever carried that out. And so the very one who's the only one to ever experience going and not sinning and living in this terrible place of earth. I mean, it can be great, but it can be pretty, pretty tough. The only, place, the only person to ever make it through is Jesus, and he right now is interceding for you. And so when you and I ask the Lord to show us how to walk something out, we're asking the only one who knows the answer. We're asking the only one who has the power to change any human life. I mean, we covered quite a spectrum tonight. Addictions and being religious but having no relationship. Or filling our lives with things that are not Him. Walking through seasons where we have to trust Him above all else to provide. Um, depression. I mean, we covered a lot. Maybe your specific issue wasn't discussed tonight, but you know what? The same truth applies. I believe tonight is about hope. I believe tonight is about um, spurring us on. I believe it is about um, really, really to the core of our being, believing that Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life to the point that it affects our actions. Because we can say we believe something, but I mean, we all know until you really start to walk it out. Who knows if you believe it or not? And so things like this warrant a response. And our favorite way to respond corporately around here is by singing. So we're going to do that. So why don't you stand up as we sing uh, some songs together in response to God for what he's done.